There is one God. Hear, O Israel, there's one God, Jehovah God, God Almighty, the creator of all that is, and he has one son. His name is Jesus, the Meshua, the anointed one. And Jesus said, you want to see the Father, you've got to go through me. This is for everyone, regardless of their stripe. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, and I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. Let me begin tonight with a question, and it's a very simple question. Are you drifting? Are you drifting? And the answer to that is yes, to this extent. You are either drifting toward God, or you're drifting away from Him. Let me put it to you another way. Are you drifting toward God, or are you drifting away from Him? If you're drifting away from Him, I hope and pray that uh, tonight's message and that our time together would be an encouragement to you to turn around, go the other direction, uh, direction and drift toward God. We're sharing with you a message titled Ezra. Uh, oddly enough, it comes from the book of Ezra. That is our text passage. But I want to read another uh, verse for you before we get going tonight. And that verse is found in Jeremiah chapter 2. It will back up what we're saying. In fact, we'll get to it in the message here very shortly. Jeremiah chapter 2 and the latter part of verse number 2 says this. They strayed so far from me, they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Look at that. They strayed so far from me, strayed away from me. They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. I trust that's not you. If it is, I'm here to encourage you to know that you can turn around and go in the other direction, turn away from your idols, and turn away from that worthless lifestyle in order to live out a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle of growing in grace, growing toward the things of God. Father, I thank you for each one listening in, and I pray that right now, in Jesus' name, by your word, you would encourage their hearts to draw near to you. Draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself, I pray, in the power of the Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on, give a listen, keep your Bibles handy, follow along with us. The Lord willing, we'll be back here in just a few moments to wrap things up. God bless you. Before I was born, Loma night arose one Sunday morning, and before sunset, the sun set upon his life, 42 years old, woke up feeling fine, and then went to sleep for all eternity. His time 
ended. Many of you would resonate with what I'm about to say, but earthly time for my own mother, which is still very difficult for me to process on occasion. But uh, mom, mama, uh, you can call yours whatever, but my, my, my mother's name was mama. Mama's time has concluded, as well as a host of aunts and uncles and cousins who are much younger than I, and so on and so forth. Paul, whom I believe was the human instrument that gave us Hebrews. And he didn't just write down what he thought. He wrote down what he was inspired to write. And he said, it is destined for people to die. And history has proven the truth of that. Here's my point. I have been struck by. You ever been struck by something? I have been struck by the fact that many persons have mentally resolved that the only reason they need to prepare for eternity is just in case Jesus returns during their own earth span. It's almost like, and I read between the lines quite a bit, it's almost like you're, you're hearing some people say, well, Jesus, Jesus didn't return like great-grandpappy said. He didn't return like grandpappy said. He didn't return like pappy said. He didn't return today. Uh, so I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Which is usually chasing after their own agenda. Never taking into consideration that they are likely to depart earth long before that anticipated cataclysmic event we know as the end of time. Does any of that make sense to you? Are you following me? How many of you are really here this morning? Can I see your hand? Number three on your study notes. There's only going to be one generation that experiences the rapture and the second coming. And that would be the last generation. No pun intended. The last generation. Ponder that. Now, along the trek toward the end of time, and every second puts us nearer, there are set times and seasons among every generation of persons to leave this present existence. Listen to Hebrews 11 and 13. Now, it's a faith chapter, and the, the real emphasis is the faith of those listed there. But I want to point out something else to you. All these people were still living by faith when they, say it with me, when they died. All of those people faith-living, faith-loving people that ended up in the Faith Hall of Fame, they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Faith. Look at this. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Have you admitted that yet? That you're an alien, you're a stranger on earth? Are you living like you're an alien and a stranger on earth? Or are you living like this is it? This is it. 
this life. They admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. The latter part of verse 16 of Hebrews 11 says, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And all of them, every one of them, their season faded. The writer of Chronicles, no doubt of Hebrew descent, established this. You can read it in 1 Chronicles 29 and 15. For we are foreigners and strangers in your presence, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow. I believe James picked up on this, echoed this exact sentiment in chapter 4 and verse 14. James asked the question, what is your life? And I love to put that before people. I ask myself this quite often. What is your life? And James answers it this way. Your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Poof. That's your life. Osha was right. Now, it sounds a little silly to mention this, but all, all, all the human characters introduced in the Bible, not only Ezra, but all of them are no longer with us. The exception would be God Almighty, His Son Jesus, Holy Spirit, who dwells mightily among us, and even Satan in his demonic cohort. But again, I want to emphasize to you all the human characters introduced, they're no longer with us. Number four on your study notes. Ezra was used mightily by God, and indeed he was. And then, according to the Jewish historian Josephus, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but a, histor or a historic uh, or a historian, Jewish historian Josephus, tells us that Ezra died. He was used mightily of God, and then he died. And Josephus tells us he was buried in Jerusalem. Other scholars would argue to you that he was buried in Babylon. But all of them agree that he was buried. And there's one prerequisite for burial 99.9% .9 of the time. Tell me what it is, church. You're dead. One scholar comments, and I quote, as students study the book of Ezra, they can learn about how the Lord enables his people to overcome opposition and accomplish his will. And that will be a theme of the final part of this series when we get there. That is a, a significant application, beloved. But I also want you to know and understand this. The observant ones that read through and study the book of Ezra can discern that Ezra's earthly journey concluded. Okay? Suffice it to say, for those chosen persons, and I'm thinking in particular of Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, that long list of persons, for those persons, and even those that did not make the list, they may not have witnessed the birth of Christ. They had to see it from afar, believing those messianic prophecies. Certainly they did not observe or witness the return of Christ, but death certainly did return for and gather them to the dreaded grave. For them, each and every one of them, they are now experiencing eternity. Do you ever fathom 
eternity, experientially, what that's going to be like. For them, it is a reality. For us, we're just looking ahead with great hope. Amen? For them, it's reality. Now, let me just kind of cut to the chase. I said to you in part, to the intro uh, in part two, that I believe what I'm preaching to you. I do. You do not have a wishy-washy preacher. I believe what I preach. And I believe living by these principles, and I'm talking about the principles put forth in the Word of God, the commands of Christ in particular. I believe living by these principles is intended by God Almighty for every man, woman, boy, and girl, everyone from every generation. Pastor, don't you understand there are different uh, religions and there's different ideas about God and different ways to get to heaven? No, I don't understand that. There is one God. Hear, O Israel, there's one God, Jehovah God, God Almighty, the creator of all that is, and he has one son. His name is Jesus, the Meshua, the anointed one. Jesus said, you want to see the Father, you've got to go through me. This is for everyone, regardless of their stripe. You still with me? I may have just lost half our uh, television audience. That's okay. Every man, woman, boy, and girl is intended to receive the truth of God. Not so much to make sure, listen to me, that they get to eyeball the return of Christ, but for sure to ensure they are ready when their body returns to the dust And hopefully their spirit is whisked away to be in the presence of Jesus, their Jesus. I've been asking over and over and over again, what does this have to do with Ezra? Have you noticed I've been going on a lot of little tangents? It's amazing how I reel that back in, isn't it? Sometimes. What does this have to do with Ezra? Ezra depicts a story and a message for every generation. Part of that story and message is to understand this. Number five on your study notes. Like the people of Ezra's day, many have drifted away from the one source of eternal life, and that is Almighty God. Something was impressed upon my spirit just this week. Many of, many of those persons that live, those people we read about in the Old Testament in particular, Many of them, even in their drifting, watch this, they still believed in God, but they no longer trusted God. They were no longer in love with His ways. Does that sound familiar to you? As we look at our culture today, as we look at the country and our neighbors that surround us, how many would say to you, when I ask people, hey, do you have the hope of heaven? And the first thing out of their mouth is, well, uh, (laughs) I believe in God. Not to be a smart aleck, but I didn't ask you what you believed in. I said, are you ready for heaven? And beloved, that's not based on what you necessarily believe in. It's based upon a rock-solid relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. A born-again, Spirit-filled relationship. Many believe in God, but they no longer trust in Him. 
they no longer love his ways. It's such a simple illustration. I'll be right back, camera guys. Don't go crazy. Somebody know what this is? It's my stool sample. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many of you believe that stool will hold me up? How many of you believe it is holding me up? Why not? I believe it'll hold me up. Why isn't it holding me up? Because I have not entrusted myself to its care. There are a lot of people who believe in God the same way, but they have not put their trust in God. They have not placed themselves into the care of God. Does that make sense to you? Psalm 106, 39, we read last time, they defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Jeremiah 2, they strayed so far from me, they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Pastor Terry, is that a big deal? I've asked you that 411 times over the last few weeks. It is a big deal. We found out in part two, beloved, that there's consequences for drifting sins. Consequences. And if you suffer the consequences long enough, chaos will begin to ensue. That's exactly what we're seeing lived out in our nation today. In time, chaos will bring about opportunities for Satan to bring death and destruction. Listen to Isaiah 59. But your iniquities have separated you from God. There are consequences, and it's not good. Here's some good news. You ready for some good news? Say yes. Boy, am I ready for some good news. Number six on your study notes. It's true. The United States of America is home to a lot of born-again, spirit-filled persons that believe and love the truth of the Bible. And they consistently, daily, without ceasing, Communicate with God in prayer. Isn't that good news? We know a lot of people. I hope everyone here within the sound of my voice this morning, and certainly all of those youngins and leaders at Indian Caves Camp, I hope that all of us are born again, spirit-filled persons. America is home to a lot of us, but it's not true enough. It's not true enough. You see, in the majority of the cases, it saddens me to even talk about this. Matthew chapter 7 reminds us. The New Living Translation gives us verse 13 this way. The highway to hell is broad. It means it's wide. And its gate is wide. It has to be wide. Why? For the many who choose that way. The Good News Translation puts it like this. The gate to hell is wide and the road that leads to it is easy and there are many who travel it. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Let me give you the new international version of that, beloved. Not everyone you know is on their way to God's heaven. 
Not everyone you know is on their way to God's heaven. In fact, most are not. Isn't that sad, church? And why is that the case? Is that, Pastor Terry, is that because they are bad people and they're not good like you? No, it's because they have failed or refused to get off the broad road, which is the way you come into this world, and they have failed to move over onto the narrow road, or as is the case for so many today, like the captives of Ezra's generation, they have embraced drifting. I've said to you over and again the last few weeks, it's one thing to drift and recognize it and repent of that and come back in line with the ways and the work and the will of God. It's another thing to embrace that drifting, what the Bible refers to as iniquity, just being a spiritual moron. Did you know that drifting is the cultural norm in the United States of America? Do you know that? Drifting. I just, uh, I like to fumble through Facebook primarily because of my Yeti time and uh, try to stay abreast of what's going on. I found out at yearly meeting last week that I am now a digital missionary. A digital missionary. How many of you have been able to watch Yeti time? You see your hands? Did you know, hear me out, did you know there are people all across the United States that listen to Yeti time? Did you know that? Did you know there's some people on the other side of the world that listen to Yeti time? Isn't that amazing? So I'm not kidding you when I tell you I am a digital missionary. But I was kind of fumbling through Facebook last night, and a gentleman had walked out into a parking lot. It looked like a Walmart parking lot and was offering a $100 bill to anyone that could successfully answer, correctly answer three questions from the Bible. He still has his $100. And I know what you're thinking. Where's that dude when I'm at Walmart? You know, I know three things about the Bible. It's amazing how many people have no earthly idea what is in here because they do not read it. I, I am just devastated by the number of people who claim to be born again, followers of Jesus, and yet they do not read the Word. It is a sign of the cultural drift that we're in, which is the norm today. Broad road travel is the very way of the populace, not only in our own culture, but worldwide. However, everybody say however. God is still looking for some Ezra's. What do I mean by that? Those that he can call and those he can trust to trust Him, to trust Him and invest their season, their time, their life living for Him. Are you one of those people? Can God trust you 
to live your, to invest your season living for him? Are you doing so? I trust you are. Let me conclude this morning with this. It's a question someone asked me once upon a time. And the wording is a little different. The sentiment is the same. Are you in a red, hot, intimate relationship with God through Jesus? And if I asked Jesus that question about you, would he answer the same way? A red, hot, intimate relationship with Jesus. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. And let me do so by saying this. And this sounds shocking. It sounds somewhat condescending. I don't mean for it to be either one. But here it is. Not everyone that you know is going to spend their eternity with God in heaven. In fact, according to the Bible, the Word of God, there is a broad road which leads to destruction. The populace, the most populated uh, group of people, the larger group of people alive and well on planet earth today are not on the narrow road that leads to heaven, but rather they're on that broad road which leads to destruction. I trust that's not you, but statistically, the more are headed in the wrong direction. Now, what does that mean for you? Either you're following the Lord or you're not. If you are, I want to be an encouragement to you to keep on keeping on and to keep on trying to reach others with the good news, gospel message of Christ. If you're not on that narrow road, I want to encourage you to get on it. Time is short. We said here just a few moments ago that God is looking for some Ezra's. I believe that. In every generation, God is looking for some people who will trust Him and that he can trust to convey his message to others. Now listen, I want, to be, um, I want to be understood quite clearly. I'm not here to force some message upon you. I'm not here to tell our audience, you must do this or you must do that. I'm here to encourage you to get a hold of that which God has purposed for your life. And that is not only a blessed, abundant life in this present existence, but eternal life in the world to come. That eternal life is found in no other person than Jesus the Christ. Again, I'm not trying to force that on anyone, but it's a Bible truth. God has one son. His name is Jesus. And Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundantly. I trust that you have established a relationship with the Father, that you've confessed your sins, repented of your sins, that you've opened up your own heart's door and invited Christ to come in to forgive you, to cleanse you, to fill you, with Holy Spirit and that you're seeking after Him in every aspect of your life, every moment of your life. Father, I thank you for those that have tuned us in, turned us on this, uh, this particular program, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you would continue to draw men and women to yourself. Lord, I pray for those that have established a relationship with you. I pray that they would continue to find you in every part of their life, strengthen them, and we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I thank you so much for being with us. do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening. We call that Family Ministries Night. That's 7 o'clock Wednesday night. We would love to see you. There's some contact information there on the screen, a way you might get to 
uh, connected to our website that will tell you everything you wanted to know about New Life and then some, probably. I'm Terry Knight, pastor of New Life Community Church. Trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? <music>